All right, welcome to Race Car Santa Claus. I'm Bill Caswell. It's my podcast, and while we normally interview people and talk about various things, today we're going to talk about my uh, favorite project. It's uh, something that works for about the last year plus, maybe, because uh, it's expensive. It took me a while to accumulate all the equipment, the tools, the RV, the you know the truck that I'm going to be building the the race cars out of. And now you're probably saying, "What is Race Car Santa Claus?" Well, Race Car Santa Claus is. Uh, is me driving around the United States building you free race cars uh, in its simplest form. Like uh, when Johnny Appleseed went across country, planted a bunch of trees, I'm going to do that and drop a bunch of steel into cars, something something like that. But, uh, you know, why, I guess? Um, I guess because I needed that help at age 25. I, I got into cars through books, and I had a local shop that helped me. But, you know, they're in the process of um, – making money like every other shop. And they weren't really a fabrication shop is back in the day. That's, that, I don't know. It's just not what they were doing. Uh, so I, I couldn't really just get a free roll cage from them or, or anyone really. And it cost a lot of money, but it was more that I only had one car and yeah, it was gutted and I'd take it up to road America and do driver schools and stuff. But putting a cage in, it was a step that was a little too big for me just to write a check and ruin my street car and then have to also buy another car to get to work or drive around or go on dates with. It was just too much. But if someone showed up and said, hey, man, you really need to go racing, which I wanted to do, and I'm going to build you a free race car, uh, I would have taken it. I would have made it work because I then would have had that cash to go buy a, a beater to drive to work in kind of concept. So I'm looking for me at age 25. I, I didn't really get my first wheel-to-wheel car until I was 30, and by then I was on this path to business school and to um, – uh, be an investment banker, and for the next seven years, I didn't really race, and I lost a lot of a lot of ground, which is which is kind of a bummer, you know. Um, and the other reason I'm doing this is because, well, I had I had this one guy that helped me out immensely, that same local shop, Leo Franchi. He owned a Leo owned a place called Midwest Motorsport, who's you know, the largest private BMW independent repair shop that I'd ever seen, and I think might have been one of the largest in the country, if not the largest, and. I guess when I first went in there, there was a semi truck and some imps of Firehawk cars, and Leo's racing with his customers. And it was, it, you know, I'd see him in magazines. It was really cool. There was a, oh, a GTP lights car or whatever they were in the in the lobby, and uh, you know, when when Leo saw the work I'd done to my BMW, he had me come in. He had me go to an autocross first, and I finished like practically last. And then I found a book on Solo Two, and I read that, and I understood like what I needed to do, and I. I, uh, I finished, I think, like second by a couple hundreds of seconds, um, I guess in my class maybe, but I was pretty high up overall, like top five or something like that. There were some fast cars there back in the day. Anyway, I went back to the shop and showed Leo that, and he's like, all right, that's what I thought. So uh, on Saturdays, you're going to come in here and work, and you know, at the end of the day, I'll give you as many parts as I can from the Firehawk cars. And, and so that's how I built up my first E30 was through Leo Franchi helping me. So... To some degree, this is about me giving back. It's about me helping the 25-year-old kid I used to be. Um, and and then on top of that, you know, it all comes out of this, like, modeling gig or job that I did in Milan for the sunglasses company. And they paid me, like, a quite a bit of money. And uh, afterwards, I went up to the Alps and was driving all through all the passes in this convertible Fiat, which was awesome. But uh, and then I went down to Rally Elba, and I was by myself, so I had a lot of time to think. And... And during that time, I realized I should I should give away the money that I had earned. And I and I decided like instead of giving it to one person and watching them race, I should build a platform that allows me to to build a lot of race cars and help a lot of kids go race. And I say kids, man, you might be fifty years old and I'm building you the cage. 
Like you might be someone that that decided not to spend your savings and instead save for your kid's future and, you know, and volunteer at races and do driver schools, just never went wheel to wheel. But man, you've earned it and it's time for me to put a cage in like your your weekend beater, your Miata, your E36, whatever it is, and, and send you wheel-to-wheel racing. Maybe you want to go, you know, AER, American Endurance Racing. Maybe you want to go drifting. You want to go do rally. I don't care. I'll build any cage you want. Um, so, you know, how uh, how do I choose who I'm going to select? It's, you know, it's my rules. It's my program. It's, uh, it's going to be a little different. A, um, I'm building this database, so you're going to have to apply. You're going to have to go to my website, Build Race Party. You're going to have to apply to, uh, to get a cage, but I'm not probably going to dig through the entire database. I mean, I might buy a zip code and look around in the area to see who's close and knock out a cage. But, but my plan is to kind of call the, the local people that run the local driver schools and lapping days and autocrosses and call the kind of local Leo Franchis and Midwest Motorsports and say, which kid has earned this? Which, which driver deserves this? Which one needs a roll cage? Who's going to be fast and go on to do great things and inspire others to go racing and build more race cars? Like, like that's uh, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And so, uh, you know, usually if you if you poke around a region, there's usually one guy that kind of stands out, and he's and he's fast. His car's usually beat up, but it's but it's pretty well sorted, and he's the one that usually stays behind and helps people. Uh, you know, fix their cars when they break. He might volunteer and shag cones at the uh, at the end of the autocross, pick them all up in the truck, and and help the organizers pack up. Um, and he might be the guy that's volunteering at one of these shops on the weekends. And it could be a girl too. This isn't just a guy thing. I just you know. Anyway, so yeah, so I'm looking for me at age 25, and uh, and that also means that this isn't a cash thing, right? This isn't like you can't afford to go racing and I'm going to help you do that. If you can't afford to go racing, I'm probably not going to build you a cage because you're never going to use it. Race tires are expensive. Entry fees are expensive. And even if you do what I did and put your tires in the passenger seat and keep plates on your car and drive to the track and then swap them there, it's still expensive to go racing. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a weird thing to do a charity for people that already have cash, but this isn't about money. This is about sending people racing sooner than they would have done it on their own. Um, and so the other thing about this database is that I'm going to have like a, a recommender section, right? There's going to be a, there's going to be like a part where, you know, if you're a local shop or autocross place, you can, you can fill out the thing and it's going to be a separate tab so I can figure it all out. But, um, you can put in who you think uh, deserves this cage. And those I probably will dig through uh, because if the same name starts popping up and the sources that are referring them are pretty credible and I like who they are, like that, that's going to rank pretty high on my list, right? Um, and so, you know, like I said, right, to backtrack a little bit, because I got some notes here to make sure I cover all like the little like, relevant details. So it's, you know, me at age 25, it's not because you can't afford it, but it's because you like earned it through your passion for racing, you know, like, like you're so happy to be at these events that, that, that you're just like, do people like you? When you go to the autocross, you're a nice person to be around. You help other people out. Are you pleasant? Like that matters to me. I don't have to call your mom and ask if you're a good person, which I might do to be totally honest. Like if I have a, if I'm a little suspect, you're like, Hey man, I want to talk to one of your friends or I want to talk to your parents. Like I want to find out what kind of kid you are. And I say, kid, again, you're probably 30, you're probably 25, you could be 40. But you still got some parents, and while parents always say nice things about their kids, you know, 
sometimes I might need to hear it because I am I am giving you a free cage and I am putting you into a race and it is going to be kind of dangerous. I want to make sure I'm helping the right people, I guess. And uh, and so I want people that are that are good people that are going to be like, oh, maybe like ambassadors to grassroots racing that are going to use this to go and show other people how to build and prep cars and inspire others to go racing. So like the people like you, right? And 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 do you help people get into motorsports? When you go to autocrosses, do you drag people with you and let them drive your car and get them hooked on it too? Um, you know, do you make people watch Formula One instead of football and like get them into sports, into into motorsports quietly? Um, you know, who do you volunteer for? Like, do you volunteer for a pro race team or a shop or even like a lemons team? Like, do you ever go to the track and just help people fix their cars, or do you ever go with your buddies and help them wrench or win a race when you can't? race yourself because you don't have a cage. And uh, yeah, like if I call those local shops, they're going to be like, yeah, dude, this kid, this kid deserves a cage their car. And, and so when I say like how much have you prepared, it's sort of like how much knowledge have you accumulated? And, and I did things a little differently. I lived above a bookstore in my twenties in the city. And, and so I, after work would go down and just read books. And, um, and so I ended up accumulating like a lot of knowledge before I could actually afford to go, to go racing. And, uh, and maybe that's not fair because the world's changed and everyone reads off the internet now, but that's kind of part of the problem and, um, other things I'm working on to correct that it's the whole education thing. But you know, what have you read? Like what books have you read? Have you read the unfair advantage? Have you read Carol Smith's books like tune to win engineer to win? Have you, have you read fun books about racing? Have you read, um, you know, Brock Yates book cannonball? Have you read maybe like uh, the name of glory about hunt or, uh, you know, chasing the title or, um, you know, in like a, in like a lamb and out like a lion or, um, just, you know, the driver with Alex Roy, like, what have you read? And, and if you haven't read anything, maybe you should start because, uh, well, the history of motorsports will teach you a lot about racing and car preparation and start your mind thinking outside of the box. So you can do better and enter bigger races and, and win. And again, this isn't about winning. I don't care if you're the fastest kid in the region. You just need to be the kid with the most heart. That makes sense. The kid that wants it the most. And, you know, that doesn't always translate into speed. So, and the kids that are stupid fast or raised in go-karts, they'll end up with their own cage. Someone will either find it or you get the idea, you know? So the next thing is like, um, like how much do you drive? Like, do you go to every autocross? Do you, uh, do you go to lapping days? Do you go to driver schools? Like, you know, BNB car club, like Miata car club stuff, Audi car club. Do you go to like, uh, you know, speed ventures or uh, auto interests or you know other driver schools and and how many have you done and how much have you practiced and you know what do you drive like are you there doing anything you can to go lap because that works for me if you're there in a fancy Porsche like yeah you probably just go buy your cage like so you know it's not gonna be that guy probably you know um but on that like once I dig through this database and I look through the recommenders and I look through the people that have applied and and, uh, you know, I'm probably going to call you and ask you questions. And if you can't answer, I'm like, you know, I'll come back to you. I'll be like, hey, read this and I'll come back and I'll call you in like a month and, and we'll see what you learned. Because, you know, maybe you are the right person, but you just don't have the right knowledge. And maybe I'm going to force you to get that knowledge. And if you can read the book and answer some of my questions, then I'll come back and cage your car. And again, I'm making this kind of like the rules are going to change, right? It's my game. It's my rules. It's my race car Santa Claus. I'm going to do it my way. But, you know, you might want to start with uh, The Unfair Advantage by Mark Donahue. That's kind of like the, uh, that's like the book for uh, 
mechanic racers, for builder racers, people that build their own cars, tune their own cars, and drive their own cars. There's really nothing better than than the unfair advantage. So go buy that now and start reading. That's a little techy and an engineering based. And if it's too much for you, then go buy the limit by Canal. And it's uh, starts off with Phil Hill, you know, buying his first car and and then eventually getting a Ferrari and and then going to uh, Carrera Panamericana. And that's just in like the first few chapters. And then Ferrari picks him up and he ends up traveling the world and meeting the other drivers and, and the book sort of introduces you to like the romantic era of racing in the in the early sixties, late fifties, early sixties. And so, you know, how is that important? Well, because it's the, the history is sort of how we got here and there's so much to be learned from how people did things. Like, you know, oh, you might hear about like uh the Millimilia and, and what a big race it was. Now these huge teams showed up and won. I think it was like 1931. Technically it was a Mercedes with uh, Rudy driving the car. Yeah, well, Mercedes didn't want to back the program. So they sold them a car cheap. Actually, I think they just provided the parts and spares and Rudy, yeah, had to buy the car himself cheap. And uh, they didn't even have enough people to do all the pit stops. So the guy to the first pit stop had to cross country across Italy to make it to the next stop just in time to refuel the car and maybe change tires or parts. Like, you know, the point of this is that, you know, we look back and we think Ferrari crushed it or Mercedes won everything or whatever. No, man, it was a struggle. And they had to go, they had to go, they had to do crazy things to make it work and to, and to achieve greatness, if you will. And so knowing that, knowing that, uh, that everything's not easy, that, that you can like persevere with extreme optimism and tons of passion and, and kind of live your dreams is important to me. So yeah, you're going to have to read a book if you haven't already. And if you haven't read a book, yeah, you can watch YouTube videos. It's fine with me. You know, you can get stuff online. But I'm going to ask you questions. You better know the answers to some of them. And if you can't answer these questions, then you better tell me a story. You better tell me a couple of stories about the history of motorsports, about about cool stuff that's happened, right? Okay, so more of the details here. Yeah, I've, I'm going to be showing up at your house with equipment and caging your car in your garage, so that means you got to have a garage or a driveway we can work and weld in. You know, if you're in San Diego, it can be one of those backside things behind your house, like a platform of the sun kind of deal. And we'll just knock it out back there. Um, you don't need power. I've got a 220-volt generator. It's a little loud right now, but i got this whole muffler system for it that I'm putting up through the roof, so it'll probably work out. But... You know, I need to park my my truck, my RV in your driveway while we work. I, I can move it at night. We can break stuff down, but it's easiest if I can just leave it in the driveway for like three days, four days while we cage this thing. Maybe quicker if we get some help from your friends or your car's already gutted or I've already got some templates programmed into the bender. But, but that means like probably no homeowners associations, right? If you're in like a... If you're in like a condo thing or a townhome thing or a, a, a strict homeowners thing, this probably isn't going to work for you. We're just going to get in too much trouble, and uh, it's not worth me driving out there and starting it unless we know we can do this. So, um, and I can park in the street. We can unload gear, but we need to be able to lock it up in your garage if I'm going to move the RV at night to, like, a hotel, which I'm totally cool with. I don't need to actually sleep in your driveway. I got I got cash. I can go stay in a hotel. But, um, and I guess, you know what, while we're on this, um, you know, I built this crazy truck to be race car Santa Claus. It's a 27 foot, um, motor home RV. It's got the van front with a V 10 and, uh, and then the back's got a, a loading, uh, like a workroom. So I've got a nine foot workroom in the back. I've got a lift gate that'll raise up and down 1500 pounds and a garage door deal. And then you walk through that garage door and you're in like 
what's now kind of my podcast studio, but it's my, my living area. There's a queen size bed. I expanded all that, like up above the driver's area. I got a little mini kitchen. I got my shower and, and bathroom. So I'm, I'm fully self-sustained on the road. I can build it. I keep saying I can build race cars on the dark side of the moon, right? I got a generator in the back. I got welders. I got benders. I got notchers. I even have like a baby iron worker. So I don't have to drill holes and steel anymore. I'm getting tired of that. Just punch them. Um, so yeah, I've got all the tools, and they're all state of the art tools. I bought like Bailey's nicest like double ramp digital bender. I think it's like a one fifty or something like that. With the dies, I think it's probably like nine thousand bucks. So like yeah, you know I'm committed to doing this program in a big way. Um, but the RV's also got to be fun, right? So I got this weird workroom, the lift gate, but I I went and cut the roof off of it. So it's a convertible motorhome. Uh, there's two big panels that pop off, but for the most part, I can open air this thing and have this awesome lounge to chill in between working. And yeah, it'll do 70 down the highway with no roof. And, and uh, it's hysterical, but it's, so it's a convertible 27 foot motor home with a full fabrication room in the back. Uh, it's totally self-sufficient. So I don't need 220 volt. I don't need gas. I got all my tanks are all mounted. I got all that sort of stuff. So we're, we're ready to go once, uh, once I, uh, once I pick the person. Now this is going to start happening soon. Database is a mess. I'm, I'm not good at this stuff. I'm going to screw a lot of things up, but I'm just going to start in San Diego and uh, and just start working my way around. Now, I'm not going to do this nonstop. It's, it's just too much. So I'm going to like cage a car and then put the RV into storage and then come back and grab it, I don't know, a week later, a month later, and then go do the next cage. And then eventually I'll work my way across the country. So if you're on the East Coast, yeah, your cage isn't probably happening for a, for a while, right? But uh at least until the mountains are nice, I can cross them in the spring and summer kind of deal, unless we go skiing. But yeah, I'm off on a tangent like I always am. So, so I got this RV, I got all the tools, and uh, and then I'm going to build what you need. I don't care if it's like track, rally, drift, desert, doesn't really matter as long as it's like what you've been practicing, what you're passionate about, what you have the skill set in. Um, you've already got to have the car. It it it's, I'm not fixing your three-year-old project. You got to have a car that you've been taking to autocrosses and driving schools that it kind of needs to run when I show up. And yeah, I guess if you had a motor swap and everything was done and the motor was sitting there on the floor, yeah, I guess I could probably help you swap it real quick while we cage it. You know, it's not that hard. If you and your friends are doing the motor swap and I'm doing the cage, we we trade in and out of it, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. But I'm not buying you parts. I'm not buying you safety gear. I'm hoping that this gets big enough that some companies sign on and so, you know, I can show up with a fire suit and a pair of gloves, shoes, and a, and a helmet and a Hans device, and maybe eventually belts and seats and all that. We'll see where this goes. But I'm hoping it gets big enough. I'm not doing too many cages a year. Maybe I get some companies involved so that, you know, I'll pay for the steel and I'll do the work. But when I leave, your car will actually pass tech, which would be really, really nice. Um, as of right now, you're just getting tubing inside your car. You get by your own padding, you get by your own window nets, you get by your own fire bottle, seat, harnesses, and then your safety gear. So that's what I mean. This isn't like a, a charity case thing. Like you, you know, you need to kind of show me that you've got a you know decent enough job or, or cash saved up or whatever it is you're doing, and, and have the ability to go racing, even if it's just uh, you know two endurance races a summer or a couple of track days. You don't need to do a whole schedule. Man, I've never made a whole schedule in my whole life, so it, it's not about that. And uh, um, I guess that's kind of it, right? It's it's. I built this truck, I'm going to drive around, and I'm going to knock out free roll cages because I wish someone had done that for me when I was 25. If that truck had come came through Chicago, Chris Simon and I would have had cages, both of us, without a doubt. The two of us were 
going to all the driver schools together. Chris was faster. He's nicer. He's better. He's more knowledgeable. Um, I maybe was more excited about it all, but, but Chris was better than I in a lot of ways. And, and no one ever built in that cage and he raced a bunch, was fast and won some stuff, but he also kind of slipped away too because, because he sort of lost that dream. I, I ended up digging in hard and going after it and, you know, ended up in WRC Mexico and kind of changed my whole life. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking for me at age 25, and it's race car Santa Claus. I got the truck, so here's where we're at. I've already bought the truck. I own that thing. I've already cut the roof off and welded up all the panels that come off. Um, the workroom's already paid for, so I've got my huge toolbox, and that's all mounted. I got the the welders. I got a uh, Miller Trailblazer 325 fuel-injected generator that's like, I don't know, 12,000 volts or something. I can weld right off of that, but I also have a Miller 215 that's uh, MIG, stick and uh, DC TIG, meaning steel TIG. Uh, I've got like I don't know four gas tanks, so I can I can I got argon. Oh, and I got a spool gun, so I can weld aluminum if we need to. But I'm not, you know, obviously that's for like if there's little side projects to wrap up while we're doing your cage. And it's also because I had to build the roof. Um, I got a Bailey, you know, this double ram bender. Um, I didn't buy a Mittler Brothers notcher. The things are so heavy. I have one here in Chicago. They make the cages so fast. But but working on the desert cars, I got kind of used to the hole saw set up and I got pretty good at that. So a whole saw and barrel sanders and I can really do a nice fish mouth on, on your cage. Um, oh yeah. Am I a pro welder? No, man, I'm an investment banker. I got an MBA from university of Chicago. I self taught myself through books. Have I been to classes? No. So yeah, you're going to sign off on some waivers, understand exactly what's going on here. I'm also going to shoot some video clarifying, you know, what's going on. And we might even call your parents and let them know what's going on. Because if something happens to you, it's going to be them that's going to be pissed. Now, do I stand behind my welds? Yeah, I've crashed my cars. I've rolled them. I went off of Pikes at like uh, Pikes Peak. We were doing, I don't know, Ron. We were doing like a hundred. Ron Erickson was my co-driver. We were doing like over a hundred when we came into Engineer's Corner. 120 maybe. And we didn't really lose control of the car. We just had the wrong notes. And it was a mess. That car crashed hard. We were fine. Uh Crashed a car in Lemons Race hard, right in the door. Learned a bunch, but again, all the welds held. Uh, I flipped my uh, IX Rally car. Welds are great. Like I even welded up a friend's building in San Diego. Like I built an entire like building structure. So I stand by my welds. The equipment's good. Um, I can even show you pictures. I don't need to. My welds are good. They're fine. All right, they're better than um, they're better than a lot of shops that I see because the shops need to do it for profit and they work fast. And I get to take my time. Uh, when I went down to WRC Mexico, all three years in a row, I passed, you know, FIA tech where they go through every little section of the well with little magnifying glasses and check it all. I think I was one of two teams that went down there from the States that passed their first time. Everyone else needed corrections to their cage and welding adjustments. So there's that. So I know what I'm doing, sort of. Uh, I'm bringing the steel. I'm going to cage your car in your garage with my equipment. Uh, you and your friends are welcome. Uh, be nice to get some food over, find some guy to come and barbecue. We're going to make this like fun. And the, uh, the other thing is I'm going to film it. So I, uh, I got a video guy that's going to come with us in some regions. I'll hire a local guy to do it, but we're going to do, um, we're gonna do a whole video on the build so that once it's done, others can learn through what I did. And, uh, we'll teach people how to build different types of cars, different types of cages, different types of scenarios. And the thought is that if I can build a roll cage in your home garage, well, so can you. And uh, hopefully this inspires others to go racing, get off the sofa and, and build race cars and, and go have fun. And hopefully by choosing um, people with a lot of passion 
who've demonstrated a lot of knowledge of motorsports and have learned everything they can before actually going racing, well, maybe more of you will go and, and follow that path and I'll have more people to choose to put cages into. So that's race car Santa Claus. Um, I've got the RV. I've got the tools. I'm pretty much ready to rock. I got some finishing touches on the RV because I, I gutted the thing in a really like disturbing manner and started welding in all new stuff. Uh, so I got probably like two weeks of solid work on that thing out in California. And then, you know, I could even start now in San Diego, but it'd be nice to get the car done. So, uh, yeah, look for Race Car Santa Claus soon. You'll find the application process on buildraceparty.com. Uh, so, yeah, buildraceparty.com, application process, and uh, tell your friends. Come sign up. If you run a shop or if you volunteer or if you you know you run local autocross or driver schools, you should register for the database as a, as a recommender and, and pick your favorite kid and put him down. Um, and, again, kid might be a 50-year-old man. It does not matter how old you are. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'd like to get, I'd like to get people started while they're still full of passion, you know, while they, uh, while they're still super hungry and they're willing to sacrifice a lot to go racing. And, um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm Bill Caswell. This is Build Race Party. I hope you enjoyed this little introduction to race car Santa Claus. There'll be more on this to come. Stay tuned. <laughs>